Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Focus on Albany. I'm Cynthia Pooler, and my guest today is Larry Rolson. Did I pronounce it right? Yeah, you got it right, Cynthia. Thanks. Thanks and, for having me on. Um, Larry works for the Times Union. He's a reporter for the Times Union, and he's battling cancer right now. And I'm sure there's a lot of people all around the world who are battling cancer and dealing with the coronavirus. So I think this would be a pretty interesting story to tell. So, Larry, when were you diagnosed with cancer? Well, it sort of happened in stages, but I had a um, appendicitis back in on uh, August 7th, and then the next day after it started, I got my appendix out. And after I got out of the hospital for that, uh, my doctor, my surgeon, said they found some strange cells that might be cancer inside my appendix. So um, that was a huge shock. I, all of a sudden, I got referred to an oncologist, and um, I really didn't know what was going on because um, appendix cancer is so rare. Um, there's only like um, maybe a dozen cases uh, a year in the capital region um, compared right. to other cancers, which are much high. And then um, I, yeah, I started seeing um local doctor who said, you know, we don't, do, we don't treat this kind of cancer here. It's so rare. You usually have to go to New York City or Boston. And I went down to Memorial Sloan Kettering, and that's where they really confirmed that I had stage four um, appendix cancer because it spread from the appendix into the, my abdomen. So when when did you go down to Sloan Kettering, and when did you get the diagnosis? Yeah, so I believe, I think I maybe first got down to Sloan Kettering in either late September, um, early August, maybe it was late September, early August, where I met with um, the top surgeon, one of the top surgeons in appendix cancer in the country, um, down there, uh, Dr. Garrett Nash, and um, he saw me, and then he ordered a CAT scan, and the CAT scan really showed um, how the cancer had spread into my um, abdomen. I think that was only in, um, that was in October that I had that CAT scan down at Memorial Sloan Kettering's Westchester office, and then I went back um, in, it might have been early, late October to Sloan Kettering to talk to Dr. Nash after the CT scan. And he said, you know, you're going to need this surgery where you would go in and take all those tumors out that uh, are in your abdomen. And uh, that, that uh, surgery took place um, on uh, November 22nd, uh, right the week of, of uh, Thanksgiving. So. Wow. So I'm sure you didn't have a, Thanksgiving dinner that week, yeah. right? Well, you know, what was interesting is I got discharged on Thanksgiving and my family was staying in New York City and I just happened to get out. Uh, and they, but they also had a, um, a food poisoning outbreak. So they, the food was being uh, catered at that time. They had this huge emergency. So I was kind of glad to be discharged. But nor- that was after seven days and normally people stay 10 days. So it was like a total miracle that I got off um, to go basically go back to my hotel room 
on Thanksgiving mm-hmm. Day, I actually had some turkey that my uh, wife and her aunt, who was helping us out, uh, got for my sons. So after the surgery, how long was it before you started getting chemo treatment? So I started getting tre- chemo treatment on, um, it was like the first week in February, um, they wanted me to wait eight weeks after the surgery, so that would be late July, I mean late January, to get the chemo because they wanted everything to sort of calm down and get my strength back. So um, I got a the port, you know, there's a medi, there's a, it's called a life port where they give you the chemo. It's it's like a catheter attached into your under your shoulder blade, and um, I got that um, immediately put in after the eight weeks by the surgeon who did my appendicitis, which was kind of neat because I got to circle base with him. He was shocked at all I'd gone through. He never suspected my case was that advanced. And um, and so I started full fox, which is a um, colon cancer uh, drug or uh, chemotherapy. Um, uh, cancer is so rare they don't have their individual um, uh, therapy they just use the the uh, colon cancer because it's the closest they know to being able wow. to treat similar types of um, uh, cancer. And so, so uh, I've done five treatments so far. You've had five treatments. And since you started the treatments, have you had any scans to see if the uh, tumors have shrunk or disappeared? No, they're going to wait to the end of... 12 treatments, which will be at the end of July, and then they have to wait a few months for my insides to clear up before they'll do the CT scan. So I'm suspecting it'll be like in um, October maybe I might get my first scan, something like that. Um, I'm very, uh, you know, anxious about that. Because, you know, you don't – there is no protocol for – Appendix. Yeah. I'm wondering if what they're giving you is the proper treatment. I think it is. They they see success. They've had success with it. Um, okay. Uh, for for so if I didn't get so they took all the tumors out and they have statistics that show if um, I didn't do the chemo. Uh, one of my tumors would have an 80% chance of coming back, which is, all, in my mind, almost, you know, determined that it would. And um, if I get the chemo, I think there's a 60% chance it'll never come back and that it'll that I won't have to um, get any future surgery or, you know, I'll be clean. But it's it's a very negligible amount, and I, and, but it's I think it adds – you know, I don't know what percentage it helps out, but it's it's very similar to the percentage of uh, the uh, colon cancer um, uh, patients. So they see a, they're very closely related. So they see a a, a big um, uh, connection there with the results of the colon cancer. So I it to definitely is the in my mind the best treatment. I, I got chemo during surgery also, but I don't know what. Um, that chemo was. It was directly on my um, <clears throat> abdomen at the end of the surgery. 
You had during surgery? I've never yeah, heard of such a thing. Yeah, so it's a, I signed up for a trial that um, some hospitals do this. It's called HIPEC, where after all the tumors are taken out, they pour the chemo inside your abdomen and rock your body for two hours straight. And they've had good success with that versus the um, traditional care is you get the chemo the day, the, a few days a, for a couple of days after the surgery through a port. And they found that, like, both have similar out results, and some believe the HIPEC is more effective. So I was glad to be able to uh, try that out. Um, there's places like at Johns Hopkins where that's the standard of care. So I felt like it was not too much of a risk to uh, get either. Or they picked – you got a 50%, 50% chance to get either the – in the high pack or the um, the regular standard care where they do the port after. So I was, I, I've been very happy, and I'm glad I'm getting chemo because I feel like I, it's being more aggressive than I did if I didn't. So, you know, after you started chemo, and then it seems like the whole the whole world was turned upside down uh, with the coronavirus, and yeah. people would, would say into um, – the news would say into um, – you know, isolate yourself and don't don't get near other people because it might be distressful for you. So I I am a lymphoma survivor, and I remember, you know, um, saying my immune system was weakened, and and so I can't imagine what it must be like to have chemo and deal with the coronavirus at the same time. Can you give us a little insight? Because I'm sure there's many people that are experiencing what you're going through. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I mean, I'm sure back uh, before I started into that, I was thinking, I mean, you were probably just as terrified and there weren't any protocols in place back when you were worried about getting something. So in some ways, at least I know I could be like, Hey, six feet away. But, um, Work sent me right. home. It was like maybe uh, now three weeks or four weeks now, maybe three weeks, where they said, you're at risk. We don't want you in the office anymore. And this is before um, they sent home all the staff. So this was like a week, maybe, maybe half a week in advance where my bosses at Hearst were like, we don't feel comfortable with you here. We're worried you might catch the coronavirus if you're at work. So they sent me home very early. I can't remember if it was the 12th, maybe, of March, maybe earlier, the 11th. And um, so I got set up with a home computer. So I started, and I had already been, I have already took over my son's room, my nine-year-old son's room, sort of to be separate from the rest of the family anyway, um, just because the with the chemo, um, I wake up all night long to go to the bathroom, stuff like that. It just made more sense if I was in my own room. But it's been tough. I feel so isolated from uh, the editors and other reporters, even though they're now working from home. But it's been a huge struggle. And just the lack of diversions being so isolated, is it's tough. I mean, like everyone else, though, I'm sure they're going through the same thing. But for me, it's been now... I can't leave the house except to go to my medical appointments, they tell me. So that's been – that's that's uh, stunk, but I'm sure a lot of other people are in that same uh, boat. 
Mm. That's pretty frightening. So when you you turn on the TV and you listen to the reports and you, you hear how dire it is, yeah. Having chemo, going through chemo, does that compound all your fears and anxiety? Yeah, because since I'm and my immunity system is compromised, and I just got my new blood work results, and it looks like my uh, my immuno, I, it looks like my immunity system is going down, not up, not staying still. But I believe it's gone down since my last treatment, so. And then I see stories like when healthy 40-year-old men are dying and they have no underlying symptoms. Boy, I'm, I I do get terrified, I, and it worries me. And then I think my chemo's not over till the end of July. Am I going to be sitting in this room till ju- the end of July? Yeah. That would be horrible. So I I just think of the worst-case scenarios a lot. And um, um, but I some like over the weekend I just had to turn off the TV for a while and not listen to the news. I knew that like the state people were taking care of it so I could do a little holiday. That helped over the weekend with my mental health. I watched a lot of Magnum PI reruns instead. Mhm. Mm-hmm. To try to just get totally diverted from it at least for a couple of days. But now that I'm back it I got my fifth chemo treatment yesterday, so I got to leave the house. <laughs> saw people in the chemo. Oh, what did you left? the house to go to your chemo treatment. That yeah, that was, that was, yeah, that that was also that was also scary because I I had a mask I was wearing at the house um and I was like, Oh, are they gonna think I'm overdoing it with a mask? But all the employees had masks and most of the people in the waiting room did. So I felt comfortable for the first time I've ever worn a mask in public and um I think the workers appreciated it because they were working double time. The um, my chemo practice they closed their Troy office and they had to move their Albany Med one out of Albany Med, so they were swamped yesterday. And um, mm-hmm. I w- so I had to be closer than normal to a lot of people just to. Uh, and their office was renovating their offices, so it was total chaos uh, uh, at first. But um, the chemo room. They haven't touched as part of the um, uh, renovation, so that that was that was normal and that was great. The, the the workers in there were doing their best. It was a lot of work. So they didn't practice the six foot uh, rule yesterday. They, they did. They they did the best they could. But when you're walking down, say, a hallway where patients and doctors are having conversations to get away from others. You know, you had to pass mm-hmm. them in the hallway. There's nothing physically you could do. That's what I mean by they were doing the best they could. But you know, when the woman, when the you know nurse comes over to put your chemo in, she's got to be pretty close to you. But all my doctors, my visit with my doctor was canceled. So they were trying to, and you know, when I got my blood drawn, of course, that's someone taking blood from me. Um, I just think that's what mm-hmm. it's more like in the healthcare setting where there's you can't practice the six. Uh, foot rules much that's my theory and then they had these dividers between the chairs that were good um so i didn't the people next to me i just could see their feet so uh, that felt better to me they were pretty the patients were spread out um but it it was where i was very wary i was just felt like Mm -hmm. just like a 
any healthcare setting is going to be a big stuff. But they were cleaning stuff off constantly, um, which took up a lot of their time. It's it looks hard for them. So you you started your chemo before this whole thing started. Yeah. This whole... Yeah. Okay. So from the time that you started your chemo up until now, um, you hear on TV how uh, overburdened the healthcare practitioners are working and yeah. the, the burden on them. So do you see, did you see a difference uh, from before and now in the uh, kind of demeanor of the doctors and nurses? Uh, do, do they seem more stressed out, more frazzled, or, or you know, how, how, di- how much more difficult it is dealing with everything that's going yeah. on. Yeah, it was interesting. I, I, the ones I dealt with at the chemo were very good. The, the nurses, nurse practitioners, and there was even some, in some cases I saw doctors pitching in uh, with some of their patients that they had special, you know, there's some patients that probably have really uh, tough cases. So um, they've been good in my mind. I, they have, gone oh boy this is crazy uh you know when they go home it obsesses them and one woman told me she knew what she signed up for when she got into healthcare. so that you know while this is an unprecedented situation um they must deal with infectious disease a lot where they come in contact with it even during not during this outbreak but maybe during flu season in general they have to deal with flu patients so um, so far, the you know these aren't people on the front line necessarily. So, but they've been pretty good. I was I was impressed. It did take. They did. They were slow. They had to do so much cleaning and stuff, and there was more patients there that I could see where they were. You know, they and they would like when I they would sort of spend less attention to me because a lot of the people in there were much had worse cases and were more frail, like getting people in their seats and stuff. So mm-hmm. I can see where, if as long as I'm understanding, it was fine. And you wore masks throughout your whole session, right? Yeah, yeah. I noticed some of the other patients took theirs off because, you know, they can breathe better without the mm-hmm. mask on. But I kept mine on. I just thought it was in, you know, I didn't want, if the healthcare workers there could all be in masks and gloves, I owe it to them not to be like, you know, doing the best I can to keep the mask on for, you know, their sake, if not mine. I Before I uh, read about you in the Times Union, I thought, I, wa- I wonder how many people are undergoing chemo, how many people have cancer and are, are dealing with this. So, you know, you're like you said, your immune system is compromised and it's just so unfathomable to me to realize what you're dealing with. Um, Have you you spoken to people, have you spoken to other people who are going through this, uh, who have cancer and dealing with everything that's going on? Yeah, the... um I've gotten after the well after the story ran. I got most of the people I talked to. There were some people currently 
going through it. And then the people I talk to at the chemo, because you sort of sit there and talk to them, you know, right. I, 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 you know, I see them with their family. There, a lot of them are having more contact probably, because these are a lot of the people I see there have are relying on their family members for their rides, mm-hmm. and and maybe meals and maybe in-home care. So. Uh, they those are the people I would see that had their masks on all the time because they're spending probably more time with their, you know, in-laws or their, you know, family members than say me. I mean, I'm my my family's not coming here to visit anytime soon um, to see me just because they're under lockdown too. But um, and want to practice social distancing. But um, um. I haven't talked to others. I, you know, I, I, I know that I heard one uh, nurse say, "Well, this when they these people got their numbers back, their blood count numbers for their see how immunocompromised they are. They sometimes have really bad readings because uh, they're they're maybe more frail. Maybe maybe they have um, a lot. Of, you know, I'm just doing preventive chemo. These people, a lot of them have are suffering and can't get uh, surgery. So their bodies are probably worse off than mine. I know that the nurses would say this would be a bad day, week to get the coronavirus. So I know some of them are very nervous, but what can they do? I saw a guy who uh, was a, has only one more treatment, and he was saying when he left, oh, I only got one more, and this will be so much easier to uh, navigate the COVID-19 isolation measures. You know, Although I bet you're immunocompromised for a few weeks, if not longer, after your chemo ends. Now, when I read uh, about you in the Times Union, you have uh, young ch- children or a, a young child, right? Yeah, yeah, I have two sons, 9 and 13. Okay, so how long do you think they'll be out of school? I, I thought they were going to be back in by... The end of um, and now they're saying it's at least through the end of April. The school is, or maybe April fifteenth, but I'm sure it's going to go longer than that. I'd be surprised if they got went back to school this this year, this this uh, sem- semester, or you know, this calendar year. Um, right. If they said they're going back, but I don't know how we're going to survive it. I mean, I had to take two days off as sick day last week, not because of my chemo symptoms, but because I had to help manage them because my wife wasn't feeling well and she was isolating herself. And mm-hmm. so for for most of last week, I had to run the household and do all their homeschooling. I mean, getting them on their calls with teachers <clears throat> isn't easy. And then making sure, you know, if I'm if I'm working the whole day, it was really tough. So I had to take some sick time to just to care for that my boys while my wife was in bed. Um, not she had like a cough, and they just told her to, you know, isolate. But it's all she's cleared up and everything, and um, I, I'm fine also. So the chemo people said you're fine as long as you don't have any symptoms, you can come in. Um, but um, it's been tough to juggle. I, it's been very tough to juggle. I almost wish I didn't have to work, be, not only because of the chemo, but also because of the isolation. I had to, me and my wife had to basically. We both have full-time jobs. How are we supposed mm-hmm. to, you know, homeschool kids at the same time? 
and just having two boys in the house, people know. I mean, that's all they want to do is wrestle. So it's, it's tough to um, manage that. They're very, you know, precocious. So they don't have the opportunity to hang out with their friends and do anything, right? Yeah, they've been doing tele meeting, like they've been meeting with their friends on Zoom, and my wife has set up a a daily call with their cousins to try to keep their social life going. You know, the social aspects of school. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's pretty good. I think that the my sons would rather play with their friends like up close than be right. on. And then my son's been uh, doing push-ups and sit-ups and running around the the house like it's a track just to try to feel like he's doing some semblance of uh, physical education. Okay. Okay. Now what grades are they in? So my oldest, Henry, he's uh, in eighth grade going into high school and then mm-hmm. next year. But he's uh, got special needs, so he's got he's, – he's the biggest challenge in the house. Uh, he's in special education at Bethlehem. And then – my younger son, Jack, is typical, and he's um, in fourth grade at Slingerland's Elementary. So um, he, he thrives at school, whereas Henry is tougher. I think he's um, almost glad to be home because <laughs> for a special ed kid, uh, navigating mm-hmm. middle school is really tough. There's lots of pitfalls, and um, it's hard enough for the average middle school kid. So I think he's glad to be home. He doesn't have many friends at school. And uh, he gets to spend more time with his brother all day, which is, like, his best friend. Oh, that's good. But it's going to be difficult for a young a young person to all of a sudden not being able to uh, go out, see their friends, do stuff. I can't. As an adult, it's kind of disorienting. So I can imagine yeah. having this for for. You know, a young person. Yeah, no, they hate it. You can tell they they've been strong, but you can tell it's it's the not having a schedule. And God, my son had just started practicing for baseball right before this happened, and we were so hopeful about what a great little league season it was going to be. And he's on like a travel team, and he had just finished basketball, so he's turning his attention to baseball and. He doesn't know if he'll ever play the season. And, you know, I was going to be like an assistant, help out with like some of the stuff on the baseball team. I was looking forward to it. So it's tough. Uh, my son, Henry, I think loves it. He couldn't, he could care less if he goes into school, which actually I uh, hopefully that'll change in high school. But um, I think middle school is mm-hmm. tough. There's lots of personality issues with kids and, um, and behavior issues. So, but uh, but yeah, for Jack, I mean, all he wants to do is play with his friends. I mean, and then if I'm busy, it's hard for him to replace his friends with me. He always wants me to go outside and play, and I have to tell him I'm working mm-hmm. or I'm not feeling good because of chemo. Mm-hmm. So, like I said at the beginning of the show, I I found out about you uh, reading an article in Times Union. And you work for the Times Union. So tell everybody a little bit what you do. Give yourself a plug. Oh, so I'm on the, I'm a business writer mainly for the business page um, at the Times Union. So 
but I I tend to uh, I also covered the um, Schiheri limo crash um, and a lot of uh, I did a bunch of um, investigative pieces and won some investigative awards for that coverage um, and so I tend to be sort of like an investigative business reporter where I try to um, get into um, uh, some stuff in the business world that you might not otherwise read anywhere else. Uh, but I also cover like uh, nanotech and the computer chip industry, like Global Foundries, and I actually won a um, award for um, we did an investigative piece on when they were building the Global Foundries factory on how much it costs the state, and um, so and, and also General Electric and IBM, and then all sorts of other businesses. Um, I've done a lot of like white collar crime. Um, stories locally and uh, the limo coverage for the last year was picking up all of my time until the coronavirus uh, hit. I actually filed one of my stories um, like two nights before my surgery. Um, I was doing so much on that at the time. It's kind of slowed down now. Um, but So right now, though, I write almost exclusively about coronavirus and um, that I was glad to be able to write my story about myself that they used on the Sunday uh, front page um, two weeks back. Great. So, Larry, I hope uh, to speak with you again. Uh, You've been listening to Larry Burleson, and this is the Focus on Albany show. Uh, So if you like this show, like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Larry, thank you for sharing your story. And thank you, everybody, for listening. Have a healthy and safe day. Bye. Bye. Should I hang up, Cynthia?